Gracious God, your love overwhelms us. Could it be that you so love us that you are calling to live a life that we can barely catch a glimpse of, an abundant life where we hear your voice and we respond in faith and trust? Mighty God, may it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. So glad that you all are sitting here and that some of you are joining us online and welcome to the 11 o'clock worshipers as well. We are grateful that we have all these different ways to worship God and connect with God and we're going to explore a couple of those today. Many of you know that in the past year I've been going through a challenging season, maybe even more than a year, and that season has found me browsing around for words of encouragement and receiving many words of encouragement for which I am most grateful. Some of them have come in the form of these great little plaques, and there are a couple that I want to share with you. Of course, there's life is short, eat dessert first. A good friend sent me one when I was at a very low time that simply said, never, never give up. And then, life is about how you handle plan B. I don't care for plan B that much. As we think about what's gone on in Japan and think of disasters around the world, all of these words of encouragement seem so light. And I think of this last one that I wanted to share, the best one of all, in which Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Do you buy that? That the purpose Jesus came was that you and I and people around the world and people over all time would have life and have it more abundantly? Jesus offers this almost as a statement of his purpose. This is what he's about. Today's sermon points are simple. One is that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The second one is we don't really experience that. There's a gap, isn't there? between this sense of abundance that Jesus came to bring and our everyday lives, we're sort of trapped. We allow what the scripture calls thieves, robbers, to come in and take away that abundant life. We can't free ourselves. But the third point is this. God intends to free us. But how? That's what we're going to take a look at. We'll take a look at some practical steps that you might take during this season of Lent. Lent is a 40-day period from Ash Wednesday leading up to Easter Sunday. There are 35 days left in Lent, so you might as well begin now. They say it takes 30 days to develop a new habit, so it's not too late. So first, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. What is the abundant life? What might it look like for you? Have you ever caught a glimpse of the abundant life in your own life? Have there been moments, I call them holy moments, or some people call them divine appointments, in which you experience a sense that in that very moment you were being the person you were created to be? Maybe you were patient with a three-year-old, or you lose yourself in a piece of music. 
you stand up to a bully, you solve a problem, or you fix an engine, or you say something that you normally would never say, or you don't say something that you normally would say. Have you had moments like this in the past week or month or year? I'm glad to see some heads nodding. This could be called your flourishing self, your spirit-filled self, the self that has maybe a taste of the abundant life in it, the God that you that got the you that God designed you to be. The person who's living the abundant life is confident that whatever life throws at you, it will not overthrow you. You have a vibrant sense that things matter. You're trusting that God can bring good, that God is in the business of redemption in all circumstances. Or maybe you're a frequent visitor, as I am, of the opposite end of the spectrum, which could be called the languishing self, the burdened, suffocated, soul-weary self. Is that one familiar? Do you have a sense of unease or discontent? Do you have a sense that your thoughts are constantly drifting toward fear or you're unable to forgive? You're edgy or bitter? It's okay if you nod. Do you or others notice that you are trying to dominate a conversation or that you're unable to admit when you're wrong? At this point when she was reading my sermon, my daughter said to tell you that she thought I was talking about her. Are you drawn to unhealthy habits like too much TV or alcohol or shopping to manage negative emotions? Where is that best self when you're in the low place? Where is that abundant life? And how do we find it? Why does the languishing self so easily overtake the flourishing self? We want to be people who are living the life Jesus came to give us, one of freedom, one of flowing with the Holy Spirit. But instead, we languish in a world that Pastor John Ortberg calls a world of false selves, where we can give away so much of ourselves that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. We might even have a sense that we're missing out on our own life, the life God wants for us. We're like the sheep that Jesus talked about, not waiting and listening for the recognizable voice of the shepherd, but welcoming, even inviting wolves and robbers to come in over the fence and letting our souls be robbed of joy. These robbers could be called our false selves. Let's take a look at a couple of them. There's the me I pretend to be, one that projects an image, even if it's not quite true. We're good at this on the east side. We're like those chocolate Easter bunnies. You know the ones, they look so good. Some of them are even gigantic, but if you bite into it, it's hollow on the inside. I'd rather have a solid chocolate, little tiny dark chocolate bunny than a giant hollow one, wouldn't you? 
Then there's the me I think I should be. Sometimes preachers are describing the spiritual life that makes their own practices sound like the norm. You know, our senior pastor, Scott Dudley, he underplays with all of you how much he runs and prays. And aren't we glad that he does both? But aren't we also glad that that is not God's prescription for all of us? An hour a day, it's a little much for me. Jesus did not pray, may they all have identical, phenomenal spiritual lives. He prayed, Father, may they all be one in you. Then there's the me that other people want me to be. We feel pressure to please others. Maybe it's our boss who exerts pressure on us to be more productive at work. Or when we watch TV, it's like the network pressures us to watch the next show, to stay tuned. Facebook tells us that there are people waiting to become our friend. The health club wants me to work out more. It tracks my progress. My kids want me to be available to help with homework that I can't remember how to do. Everyone seems to have an agenda for me, and I hate being a disappointment. But evidently, that is part of being in real relationship. We can't please all the people all the time. We have to risk disappointing. And finally, let's consider the me that I'm afraid God wants. We can get the idea that spirituality is an endless struggle to do what I don't like doing. If something is difficult and exhausting and miserable and I don't like doing it, well, then it must be spiritual. It must be good for me. It must be God's plan for my life. Where do we get these crazy ideas? Okay, I have an exercise for us, and I want you to take your two hands and open them wide open. Now I want you to take one and make a really tight fist. Okay, now with the other hand, try to pry your fingers open. Keep the fist as tight as you can. How's it going? Okay, I want you to take that other hand, keep the fist. And now put your hand over your clenched fist and squeeze a little bit. Did your fingers pop open? Squeeze a little harder, Linda Ankema. (laughs) Mine do. If you squeeze this way, it's a lot easier than one at a time prying them open. God designed the spiritual life so that we would like it. Jesus came to bring us life that we might have it more abundantly. God's aim is not to produce rule followers who see the spiritual life as drudgery, but rather Jesus followers. A recent Barna study reveals that the biggest barrier to spiritual growth is that people equate spiritual maturity with following the rules of the Bible. Now, let's try an analogy here. If you're playing a sport, it's very important to agree on the rules. But actively pursuing the sport is very different than taking a test on the rules. The spiritual life is not a test on the rules. The spiritual life is a life to be lived. The main measure of your devotion to God is not your devotional life. It is simply your life.
Is that blasphemy for a pastor to say? The measure of your spiritual life is not your devotional life. It's kind of the result of your devotional life. Last week, we heard uh, Dr. Beck Taylor, the president of Whitworth University. He told his life story about being abandoned by his father when he was three. Then he went on to talk about how God redeemed those circumstances. He said something like this, I have what no man deserves, the love of three fathers. My stepfather who adopted me, my biological father with whom I'm reconciled after 25 years, and my heavenly father, without whom, whose love and forgiveness would never have been possible. Dr. Taylor did not tell us how he agonized in prayer for hours and hours about whether or not to forgive his father. He didn't tell us about the small groups and pastors and people who prayed for him and with him. He didn't tell us or brag on how much scripture he had come to know that led him to that place. He simply said, this is what happened in my life because of who Jesus is. We can confuse spiritual flourishing, which is a condition, with the means to an end. Spiritual flourishing is to be gauged by the increasing amounts of the Holy Spirit who's present in our lives. God designed us to delight in our actual lives. There's often a huge gap between the abundant, flourishing life Jesus came to bring and the life, the daily agenda of our lives. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit's job is to free me. My job is to be present and delight in the Spirit. So how? How do we delight in the Spirit? How does God change our hearts? And how does God fill us with the Spirit? For the past several years, FPCB leadership has been asking this question. And we've been offering classes on tools for prayer, group and individual spiritual direction, inner healing prayer ministries, as well as days of prayer to hear God's voice, and special worship services for prayer and healing. Pastor Terry Tripp is increasingly focusing her ministry in spiritual formation. But we wondered, how could we provide easy access to spiritual coaching for more people to discern and take their next step of faith? A couple of years ago, someone from the congregation came in to talk to Pastor Dana about a new course being developed, individualized, non-biased, a personal coach for everyone in the congregation, and it could be available in the comfort of one's own home at any time. Scott Mann heard about that and thought, well, we could multiply what we're doing in Christian growth if that were the case. He looked into it and found that Dallas Willard, whose writings we've often admired on spiritual disciplines, and John Ortberg were among the key sponsors of this new concept. And he recommended that our church invest and become part of the project. This was back in the fall of 2009, and the tool is called Monvi, One Life. Today I want to share it with you through a four-minute video with Scott Mann's new best friend, Eric Parks. Scott has been offering feedback to Monvi and to Eric for over a year, and they've been making improvements. In fact, we thought we'd bring you this tool last year, but Scott said it wasn't quite ready. We're excited for you 
to journey in your faith, and we're excited for you to see Monvi as one of the resources that you might use. So why does spiritual growth seem so complicated, so complex? I mean, have you ever walked into a bookstore and looked around and thought to yourself, I don't even know where to start. I'm not even sure what I need. You see, these days, the problem isn't lack of information. It's how do I sort through it all? And on top of that, we're all so different. And the resources or practices that might have worked well for me, they may not work so well for you. So what if you were able to sort through all the great resources, practices, and information on growing spiritually that exists, and then you were able to pick out the perfect book, CD, or video for you? Better yet, what if you didn't have to sort through anything? Welcome to Monvi. Monvi is a revolutionary tool designed to handcraft spiritual growth plans. Based on your unique characteristics, Monvi will craft a growth plan that fits how you're made, how you learn, even your stage of life. Using advanced assessment technology, the Monvi discovery process takes into consideration 34 different aspects of an individual. By simply selecting pictures, Monvi discovers important things about your life and what your current spiritual needs are. The discovery process is easy, intuitive, and accurate, and it takes less than five minutes to complete. Monvi provides a personal discovery summary that gives you insight into what Monvi's learned about you as well, how you prefer to learn, how you best connect with God, and the elements of your personality that will affect your personal spiritual growth. Monvi even compares you to a biblical character and provides insight through their lives as found in scripture. The discovery process takes only a few minutes, and it's both fun and insightful. But what happens next is what makes Monvi so unique. Monvi can connect a desire to grow with a plan that's customized and easy to follow. It's a spiritual guidebook for life, and it starts in your personal roadmap creator. Here's my personal roadmap creator. As you can see, the roadmap creator suggests resources and practices I can use every day, every week, and every month. And it helps me schedule each day how much time I can commit to this practice. In my time section, Monvi is recommending praying scripture. But Monvi doesn't just tell me to practice something. In my roadmap creator, it shows me how someone like myself would pray scripture and where in scripture I should start. Monvi will even recommend outside resources to help me navigate this my time practice. Every part of my plan is customized and specific Monvi sorts through thousands of resources, practices, audio and video messages to create tailor-made plans that are for me and for my life. The plans are never too much because they're matched to who I am and how I learn. And Monvi gives me multiple options. I can change any area of my plan to suit me. I can choose what works best for me. Not only does Monvi create custom plans, it also provides a way to track your progress. Those using Monvi can connect with their own personal Monvi space. Monvi has the capacity to stick with you every day, showing you the details of your plan, providing email reminders, and allowing you to track your progress towards your personal spiritual goals. And as you grow throughout your spiritual journey, Monvi asks you for your feedback. Monvi really gets smarter as more and more people provide feedback and insight into what's helping them grow best. And then it begins recommending only the best of the best resources. 
Monvi truly is not a one-size-fits-all approach to growth. It's customized and it's personal. It's true, it's customized and it's personal. If Amazon can do it, why can't Christianity do it? And anticipate what you need. Monvi is a fun way of exploration, and in the message, Galatians 6, 4, and 5 says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of us must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Monvi helps us do that. I took the assessment. I thought it was really fun. You get this little toggle switch like a sound system. You get push pins, quadrants, photos, all in five minutes. It had me figured out. Things that I took years of therapy to discern. <laughs> Worth the $30. It's like 20 minutes of the cost of therapy. Plus, you get two single-chapter books, a video, and really cool cards to guide you. I would really highly recommend giving it a try. Monvi is one resource that can help you find which step to take to go deeper, to move along on your journey toward the abundant life. It includes things that are happening here at First Press, things like the Bible, Plain and Simple, which right now is focused on the Gospels, the first four weeks, the first four books of the New Testament during these weeks of Lent. Maybe you want to pick one area of focus like that. Pastor Scott Mann, a pastor, did that. It recommended four categories, and he said, no, I can't work on four categories at the same time. And so he created for himself a none of the above for three categories and chose something to do in one category. You can tell Monvi what your needs are, and it will respond. The only way to become the person that God made you to be is to live with the Spirit of God flowing through you like a river of living water. Our pathway in walking with the Spirit will be unique. I know a guy in our congregation who was feeling sort of stuck in a spiritual rut and was surprised when someone called and invited him to be on a leadership team. It was actually called a committee. He found that that committee became a small group community. And through that group, he heard God teaching him, speaking to him, and deepening his faith in ways he hadn't imagined. I have a friend who says she thought she was a mature Christian. Then she got into a very in-depth Bible study, and she began to see the complex nature of life and how God is at work in so many mysterious ways. She said God became so real to her that now when she's overwhelmed, she realizes it's a time to trust God all the more. Her faith grew in ways she didn't even know that it needed to. What if when Jesus said there was a, to be a river of life flowing up out of us, that that's what he really meant? That following Jesus would cause people to experience life, that our life would give life to others. What if all the what-ifs that we studied this winter really became real? What if we were free from the burden of our definition of spirituality and freed to live into God's view of spiritual maturity, being filled with the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit? 
I've been pushed out into that river this past year. I've experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Many of you know that I was going through uh, many cancer treatments, chemo, major surgery, more chemo, radiation, and then last June, another major surgery to put me back together again. You prayed for me, you sent notes for which I am so grateful. And in June, my mother came to support our family while I was in the hospital. A week after she returned home to San Francisco, she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Initial treatments didn't help, and by August she was paralyzed from the waist down. The cancer was spreading so quickly that she, she chose hospice care as her treatment plan. I went back and forth from Seattle and San Francisco so many times that I could hardly remember which bed I was sleeping in, the one at my parents' house or the one in my own room. There came a point when I knew that this flight to San Francisco would be the last time I entered my parents' home with my mom living. I went back toward the bedroom, and I was anticipating how I would greet her and how she would greet me because I loved the way my mom said that time as she had so many times before with her arms wide open, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. And I leaned over to her, her hospital bed and gave her a huge hug and she hugged me in a way that is gonna have to hold me to eternity. The hug at the side of her hospital bed was a moment in which I heard God saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And just as there was nothing I wouldn't do for my mom, I believe that that's the kind of trust God wants from me and from you. God's message to us is, I love you, I love you, I love you. I've given my life for you that you might live more abundantly, that you might have all the fullness and power and hope and holiness of the Holy Spirit in your everyday life. This assurance of God's love, I think of it almost daily. Knowing how much my mother loved me empowered me to serve my mom, my dad, my family, even to do my work at church. This moment has shaped me to love as God loves. God's plan for each of us is unique. And sometimes the bumps in the road that we encounter cause us to need to change our devotion to God. Maybe our circumstances have changed. Maybe this is the time when you need a resource you've never heard of. One of my friends said that she began on Mon V and found a devotional book that was just what she was looking for. And she just reads a page a day it makes all the difference. God's plan is unique. He knows just what each person needs. He had Abraham take a walk, Elijah take a nap, Joshua take a lap. He had Moses take a 40-year time out. He gave David a harp and a dance, Paul a pen and a scroll. He wrestled with Jacob, argued with Job, whispered to Elijah, warned Cain, comforted Hagar, he gave Aaron an altar, Miriam a song, Gideon a fleece, Peter a name, and Elisha a mantle. 
He gave me a hug and embrace, words of love to hold me until eternity. What does he want to give you? Please pray with me. Mighty God, we thank you that your love redeems us, shapes us. Lord, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, whether we have just had the holiest of moments or whether we find ourselves soul-weary and burdened, we thank you that you desire to meet us in that place. Our God, we especially thank you for this season of Lent in which we remember the sacrifice of your Son who gave his life for us that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would put us each in touch with your plans through your Spirit, that we would be so moved to take a next step, to draw near to you. Lord, we thank you that you are inviting each one of us to our own adventure, to hear your voice, to say yes to your Holy Spirit. Amen.